did the group of individuals you prefer outperform the group of individuals you do not prefer? Shall we commence episode number nine? Yes, episode number nine. Let's uh, let's do this. This is this is the last time we will ever do a podcast in single digits. Yes, that is right. Do you remember when you turned ten? I don't remember it very well, but I remember thinking it was a big deal. I don't think I have any genuine memories from before high school. So, no, I don't remember turning 10 years old. I I remember seeing pictures of when I turned 10 years old, but I don't have any memories in my own head of of such an event. But do you have memories from before you were 10 years old, like just in life, of things that happened? I I don't think so, no. I mean... Not real ones. You know, you know you know how it is. Your parents tell you about stuff that happened when you were a little kid, and so it feels like memory. But I'm not sure any of those memories that I, I, I think I have are actually real memories. I have a few. Do you? Yeah. Are you, are you going to be one of those people who tells me you have memories from being in the, the cradle? <laughs> you know, no. little tiny baby Brady. No. I have two. I have three or four memories, and they're mostly pretty big incidents, like one when I broke my arm and one when... Um, like going on a plane, and I, there's, there's a few that, things I remember. But the one thing that's really remember, one thing that's really strange, I should say, is I have two dreams from when I was really young that I still remember, really vividly. Yeah. But I'm not going to talk about them because it just suddenly occurred to me how boring it is to hear people <laughs> talk about their dreams. Oh God, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> it is very boring hearing people talk about their dreams. It's even boring talking about your own dreams whenever you tell someone else about your dreams always like halfway through the story you realize you're becoming bored by the story yeah and it's like gosh how boring must this be for the other person this is this is one of these things where perhaps i shouldn't be so quick to judge but i i judge people very harshly if they're the kind of people who want to tell you about their dreams (laughs) i have no patience for this absolutely zero and I, i feel like it is a poor indicator of a person's ability to project themselves into the mind of another human being if they think it's interesting to tell you about their dreams. Like, dreams are not interesting to anybody. My own dreams aren't even interesting to me. They're just, you know, it's like, ugh. ugh. So do I, do I lose points for starting to talk about it and then gain points for realizing at the last minute and aborting? Or? You were really close to losing some points, right? But, you, <laughs> but, but you know, you were nosediving there, but you pulled up at the last possible second. So you're still okay in my book. But, man, I've, I've known people who... I mean, it's like, it's like hours later, you're at work, it's lunchtime, you know, this person's dream occurred hours and hours ago, and they're like, oh, I had a really interesting dream last night, let me tell you about it. I was out shopping, and it, I was with my brother, but he wasn't really my brother, you know, he was also Robin Williams. And it's like, oh, God, <laughs> just stop it, like, it's not, it's not real, like, this means nothing to anybody, it doesn't even mean anything to you, it's, ah, oh, God, sorry. If you wake up, if you have, like, a dream... That has made an impression on you temporarily. Do you tell your wife about it? My wife actually thinks this is very funny. And it actually just happened this morning where right when I wake up, sometimes I will make a comment about the kind of feeling of of like, oh, God, I had just really busy dreams last night. And that is as far as I will go. And she will ask me, oh, what, what did you dream about? And I'm just like, I can't. I can't even tell you. Like, it just who cares? Right. It just it, all that matters is I woke up and I'm, I have, still have this kind of, oh, not like a great night's rest last night feeling. But that's that's the end of it. You know, the details of the dreams are just totally irrelevant to anyone. Well, 
Well, let's not talk about dreams then. <laughs> what do you got in follow-up for us? New countries, I hear. Yes, yes, we have a bunch of new countries. Uh, I didn't do it last time, but just yesterday I tallied up uh, all of the new countries. So these are countries from which we've had reviews. Okay, yeah. So yes. this is so what we're this is episode nine. So. Since episode seven, we have gotten at least one review in all of the following countries. So here's a list. It is Bulgaria, Egypt, Estonia, Indonesia, Kuwait, Macedonia, Micronesia, Moldova, Mongolia, Nepal, Paraguay, Peru, and the Philippines. So Okay. Which ones in that list have you actually been to? I have been to Estonia, mm. and that is the only one on the list that I have been to. What about you? Um, yeah, that's quite an exclusive list, isn't it? I've been to Egypt, and I've obviously been to Nepal. It's one of my favourite countries in the world. Welcome to people from all of those countries, especially Nepal, my quite possibly my favourite country in the world, and home to half of Mount Everest, my favourite mountain in the world. Why is it your favourite country in the world? Because it's got, like, so many huge mountains and <laughs> and, like... It always sounds a bit cliche when you say the people are really nice, mm-hmm. but the people are really nice. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's cool looking. Mm-hmm. It's got cool stuff. Uh, I've, had, I've had really good times there, so uh, I want to go there again. I wanna, I've been to Everest Base Camp twice, and I want to go three times. So I'm going to do it again. Ooh. I love it. Do you want to come? Would you come with me? To Everest Base Camp? I yeah. would not. I you would wouldn't? Not. No, I would not Why do not? that. Well, didn't the last time, or the airplane you took there last time, like, exploded months after you the were air, there? The airplane I took the first time from Kathmandu to Lukla, where you start the trek to Everest, mm-hmm. that same plane, a while later, crashed mm-hmm. on that same flight mm-hmm. and, yeah, killed everyone on board, unfortunately. Right. I, so- I, like, I, I was watching it on the news, and, like, they had footage of the wreckage. It was so terrible. And uh, then I saw, like, the serial number on the plane, and I was like, hang on. And I got out my holiday photos, and there's me standing next to the same plane, waving, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Phew. Mm-hmm. life can be funny, hey? Yeah, so that's not a, it's not like a ringing endorsement for me to go. Because it's one of those, like, terrifying little planes. I remember you, you showed me uh, it's, you showed yeah, me it's the quite pictures. Small. But, you, you know, you don't, get, you, don't get to, you don't get to see and do the cool things in life without, you know. Yeah, but I've, I have read Into Thin Air. For, for, the, for listeners, it's a John Krakauer book. It it's, is. A, it's about uh, uh, an expedition to Mount Everest that went terribly, terribly wrong. Yeah, but they were like going up Mount Everest. I'm not. I'm not saying we should go up Mount Everest. I'm just saying we'll go to base camp. Yeah, but you're just you're cl- you're inches closer to danger in that kind of situation, right? Like being at base camp, you're already so far away from civilization. It's just uh, into thin air. I thought was an interesting book, partly because. I think it's it's an interesting chronicle of how things go wrong in that they're not necessarily any major things that need to happen before you have a real problem on your hands. It's just the accumulation of a lot of little errors, each of which on their own wouldn't necessarily be devastating. And so I feel like even being at a place like base camp, it's just the the safety margin between you and death who waits around every corner to catch you is just so much smaller than uh, being in a more urban area, perhaps, let's say. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll find someone else to go with. (laughs) I'm sure you will. I'm sure there are many people who would love to go, but that 
That is, that is, uh, that is not me. What I'm else sorry. you got on the follow-up list? What else? I saw in our ever-excellent Reddit discussion thread, somebody made a little infographic which showed your productive output versus my productive output. And then it showed that since my previous video, the, the video on jury nullification, that since I had published that, you had published, I believe, 347 videos and also started nine new channels, if I <laughs> got that right, from the infographic, I think is what you had done. So you are quite a beast when it comes to YouTube productivity. You, you, you do exaggerate and mock me as always. And <laughs> Not by I, much, though. <laughs> no, but I did notice that someone made that, f- that, little, that little graphic where they just showed little thumbnails of all yes, the videos yes. I had uploaded since since yes. your previous video and and obviously it was like amusing to see so many videos uh-huh. um but you know what the worst thing was they left out a whole bunch i think they missed out two whole channels <laughs> and there, know, was so, a whole, there was a whole bunch of videos not on that list <laughs> so do you do you know what the actual number was at the, at the time it was 40 something maybe i, I don't, don't know. i don't know what it was but whatever <laughs> it was it has come to an end because hallelujah you put out a new video Yes, yes. Uh, very exciting, I guess. Um, <laughs> what was it? Uh, I'm, only, I'm asking for your sake. I have watched it and know exactly what it is, of course. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, the, I put out the video. Uh, it is our Hong Kong and Macau countries. And I think uh, at the time we're recording this on Sunday and I, I put it up on uh, Wednesday, I think. But yes, there were many funny comments left both on Reddit uh, and on YouTube, which I did scan over for for people remarking about "Hallelujah!" Right there's a video, and and you know, gather the children round. It's a rare occurrence. Um, <laughs> so people are very funny on the internet. I, I always I always think those are those are great. But yes, the the long the long time of no video is over. Much to my great relief, that had just been that had been too long, and I I was getting very anxious about it. So I'm I'm happy to have it done. Be honest with me here. Yeah, because. I remember a few podcasts ago, you told us about your whole procedure about putting up a new video, mm-hmm. and after it's all gone out, you have this kind of video game time. Yep. Uh, computer, sorry, computer game, whatever you, whatever the young people call them these days. <laughs> yeah, whatever the and, kids um, call yeah, them. And um, for various reasons, mostly my fault, the recording of this podcast has been delayed a few times. Mm-hmm. And I did have a window to record it in the evening after you put that video out. And I messaged you and said, do you want to do it Wednesday night or whatever it was? Mm-hmm. And you were like, oh, I, I can't. I have like a, another commitment. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, you must be going out to dinner or something or have some business meeting. And then I saw on Twitter you making some <laughs> comment or showing some picture that you were basically playing your computer <clears throat> game. Mm-hmm. So you basically fobbed me off and didn't work or record the podcast so you could play computer games. Okay, so this is, this is, this is the problem of following me on Twitter. I, <laughs> did, I did take my, my traditional day off the day after uh, to, to basically mess around in uh, open TTD for those who care about such things. But I did have an actual engagement in the evening. So I spent most of the day blowing off all work, but I did not spend the evening just like, I don't feel like recording this podcast. I had other stuff to do, and you were only available in the evening time, so uh, right. that did not work out. Sorry. <laughs> no, fair enough. I don't, I don't feel quite so spurned now. <laughs> I thought I might try a bit of an experiment on this podcast. Yeah. Obviously, it's, it's only live to you and I, so it will lose some of its impact, but I thought it might be a fun thing to do anyway. Mm-hmm. I thought I might put my next video live right now. Oh, yeah? So we're recording this on a Sunday evening. 
which which I don't know if that's an optimal time to put a YouTube video live. I would suspect not. I would suspect not as well. But you're going to do it anyway. But I'm going to do it anyway. And part of that reason is I'm a bit worried about this video anyway. So I don't mind if it gets kind of a bit lost in the noise. Mm-hmm. So because <laughs> and I'm, I'm prepared to be judged by you here because I've already been judged by others who mock my, my occasional overly long videos. Mm-hmm. But this one is 26 and a half minutes long. That is pretty long. Well, which, uh, which channel are we talking it's about? Not, it's a number file video. Number file. It's got a bit of a, it's got a, bit of a story behind it. Mm-hmm. A guy, the guy who came round to record it, Simon Pampina, who's a, a maths guy who's in a few of my videos, basically he said, I've got this really cool idea. I'm really excited about doing it. Actually, what I'll do is I'll put it live and then I'll tell you the story. Yeah, I was going to say. Because it's going to take a while. Because it's going to take a while. Right? Put it up now and then right. I'll, I'll see Here if it go. actually shows up on your number file. I, I'm, I'm, I've Here got we the go. web page open. No, it's all right. Let's, let's just do this first. So I've put it live. Okay, there we go. So basically he came around. Epic circles. I see it. Oh my goodness! Is it that quick? That's it's. I hit refresh. It's up. Epic circles. That's amazing. Yeah, I had no idea. I see it right away. Great. Yeah, it's up immediately. There's already three views. I wasn't even the first. Amazing. So anyway, he came around and he said, "I've got this really good idea, and it's really involved, and it took all day to film." My arms were falling off from holding the camera, and I was like, "Is this? Are you joking? Is this ever going to end?" And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's it's okay. Trust me in that." And then I, I was just realizing this film was just getting completely out of control. So anyway, I've ended up with this video that's truly epic. Hence, I've called it "Epic Circles." But it is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of halfway through to explain what he was doing. He had to explain a whole new concept about circle inversion, and this became this huge mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one good thing about it was it did result in the most beautiful uh, final product piece of paper that we've ever had in number file. We always write on these scraps of paper. Yes, And the piece of paper at the end of this video is a masterpiece because for this video to work, he couldn't just explain the concepts. He had to actually draw all these diagrams and circles like perfectly accurately on the paper with like compasses and rulers and things. Mm -hmm. So it's a a masterpiece piece of paper, but the video is a bit long. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of buried it on a Sunday night so that mm-hmm. people who... Because I guess if people watch videos at work, they're not going to want to watch a 26-minute video. I think if they're at work, they probably want to watch a 26-minute yeah, yeah, video. Yeah, they, I, th- yeah. I think you're, you're looking at that the entirely wrong way. Uh, see, I would have thought maybe... I thought this maybe this is more of a Sunday night video than a, than a, than a while I'm having my sandwich lunch break video. So. Well, I, I could say it from, uh, from my own demographics, looking at the information I have access to, there is no doubt about it that my videos are basically their their watch times correspond to the United States work week. Right, so people yeah. are watching like between nine and five on on the work days. Right, that's the whole YouTube economy is based on people at work taking <laughs> some time off, perhaps. Let's say. I've to... got a CGP Grey first on my video. <laughs> <laughs> I had to leave a comment. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, it's live, right? This is very exciting. So I thought I would leave oh a traditional goodness. YouTube comment. And the other, and the other thing is, someone's written a comment here saying, "You know, amazing as always," which is very flattering. Mm-hmm. But they can only have watched the first minute of the video, and mm-hmm. it's twenty-six minutes long. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not entirely convinced they do think the video is amazing. I, I, I think yeah, they're just they just like you. Does that mean everyone else who says something nice about my videos hasn't really watched them? Oh, look, look at you. You're going to start down that the existential, uh, existential black hole here of, of wondering if your work is any good. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs>
Anyway. Oh, you're so hard on yourself. But yes. Yeah, anyway, so, thank so, you for thank you for your first comment. And we'll come back at the very end and we'll see if anyone who actually has watched the 26 minutes has had anything to say yeah. about my way too long video. I don't know how you could just release a video while while you're while you're just uh doing something else. I would be very nervous. I, I have to have I have to have the whole schedule clear uh for the first maybe hour or so after a video because I want to make sure there's nothing wrong or, or yeah mm. or anything that I, if it's just anything that I would absolutely have to change I mean that's only it's only happened once or twice where I, I've taken down a video and then uploaded something that's that's changed immediately afterwards mm. uh, but I would be I would be just waiting to find out if there was just something wrong or dumb in the, in the video so but you're very you're very calm and I guess you have so many it doesn't you're not concerned, I guess. Well, no, I'm, I'm keeping a, I'm keeping my left eye on it because if someone says, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe you just said Pi is four point one three, I probably will have to take the video down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going with it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thank you for <laughs> indulging me there, yeah. and thank you for your first comment. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see? Uh, what do you think about people writing first on videos, like just for the sake of having the first comment? Do you have a view on this? I just think it's it's like internet culture. I think it's just sort of funny. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure how serious those commenters are. It's just a funny bit of internet culture. People want to say first. And, and, and of course, there's always the funny thing about, uh, particularly on popular videos, people simultaneously trying to say first. So you end up with yeah. 30 comments, all that say first. And then they start arguing with each other. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of internet culture. I like all those kinds of things. So I don't, yeah. I don't mind at all. I just think it's, it's kind of funny and 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 i like it i made a whole vlog about saying how i like it i think it's i'm I'm for it yeah i I think it's just human nature to want to be first yeah yeah but it is it is interesting how how different different communities can be so the the first thing is totally absent from reddit you know you'll never see people leave a first comment on a reddit discussion it's just it's just interesting to see how how different places can be kind of culturally different but yeah someone's already uh, angry at me for having left the first comment on your video so there we go um that's the advantage of knowing when it was going live hello internet this episode is brought to you by squarespace the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website portfolio or online store squarespace has been around for 10 years and they're constantly improving their platform with new features new designs and even better support they have beautiful designs for you to start with and they have a ton of style options so you can create a unique website for you or your business they released 20 new customizable templates this past year and every design automatically includes a mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website so your content looks great on on every device, every time. And Squarespace is easy to use with simple drag and drop tools, but if you need help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there's a completely redesigned customer help site for easier access to self-help articles and video workshops. And the new Squarespace metric app for iPhone and iPad allows you to check site stats like page views, unique visitors, and social media followers. With a blog app, you can make text updates, tap and drag images to change layouts, and monitor comments on the go. That's a lot of features that they want me to tell you about, but again, What I like most about Squarespace is just it's so easy and it's something that I just don't have to worry about. If you want a personal website or a business website, you just want it to work and you don't want to necessarily have to worry, is it still up or has something gone wrong or is it going to work on this new device that's come out or any of those kinds of things. And that is really what I appreciate, that there's a hugely professional team of people 
working to make sure that your site is always up and available and always looks great on whatever new device has come out. So for me, it's just a huge relief to have all of those burdens lifted from my shoulders because I used to write all my websites by hand and it's just, it's so great to not have to do that and to have something that just basically looks better than I could have ever made it in the first place. So again, a very heartfelt recommendation from me to you to use Squarespace. It's just an amazing service. So Squarespace is good for everyone. Whether you need a simple website solution or you're a developer and want to get into the code, there are so many options and it starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. So start a trial today with no credit card required and begin to build your website. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, which you will, make sure to use the offer code HelloInternet, all one word, to get 10% off and to show your support for this podcast. Once again, that's HelloInternet, all one word word to get 10% off at Squarespace, who we thank again for their support. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Someone on the internet sent me uh, a little story, which I just thought was worth a mention. That is Yahoo possibly starting up a YouTube competitor, which of course is something near and dear to uh, both of our hearts. Hmm. And the news story is basically about several famous unnamed YouTubers who have been approached by Yahoo to try and bring them over to whatever this new service is that Yahoo may be launching soon. And someone sent that along to me and wanted to know if I was one of the people who had been approached by Yahoo. Hmm. And I have to say, I'm disappointed that I was not approached by Yahoo. I thought, (laughs) oh, that's kind of, you know. I'm I'm here, right? Let me know. Yahoo, Yahoo could. I'd be willing to listen to offers from Yahoo to see if they wanted me to uh, post videos on their new service as well. Oh, as well. You would not instead of. I'm sure they would. Prefer, I'm sure their approach is going to involve instead of rather than as well. Well, as. now see that's a deal breaker. Mm, Yahoo, who I'm mm. not negotiating with now. But yeah, of course I would not do it instead of. I think. While I would be very happy to see YouTube have a little bit more competition on the internet, because I think competition is good for everybody, I would not exclusively switch to Yahoo unless unless there was a pile of money that was just comically, astronomically large, which I don't think it would probably be part of their deal. But anyway. Oh, I'm sure it would be part of their deal for the right people. I mean, that's how you... That's what you've got to do. That's like the House of Cards Netflix trick, isn't it? You, you're the only place to get something that's so good, mm-hmm. and, and you've got to spend money to make money. I guess. I guess. Are you, uh, so I think you're trying to convince Yahoo that that's, that's what they should do. They should try to spend huge amounts of money to make people exclusive. Well, um, I think, I think if, that, if the only place I could watch your videos was Yahoo, I would still I'd be watching some videos on Yahoo. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I don't. I don't think that that exclusivity deal could ever possibly work out. But I thought it was. It was just interesting to see. And I would be totally. I would be totally open to posting my videos on an additional place. I used to. If you think this, yeah. Are you saying to me that you think this poaching of YouTube stars by Yahoo, if it's true, does not involve them transferring their exclusivity from YouTube to Yahoo? Of course, that's what it would be. Surely. Yeah, you think so? I guess maybe you're right. Well, what's the point otherwise? If you can just watch the same content, why, why not just, you know, they, they need to make people migrate. And the only way to force people to migrate. Okay. They, so they, hmm. yeah. so here, here, is, here is the, I'll, I'll put the link to the story in the show notes. But the, the summary of it is, 
again, from like not, not at all named sources, which is always one of the reasons why I'm not super thrilled with the news. But anyway, supposedly Yahoo is trying to tempt big YouTubers over with higher advertising rates on mm. their own uh, their own uh, competitor as opposed to YouTube's advertising rates. Uh, so I think, you know, maybe it would – it doesn't necessarily have to be exclusive if Yahoo could actually – follow through on that deal and actually have higher advertising rates for content producers, there would, there would be incentive for people to dual post on both services. And then maybe, so there's like when I post a, a video on, on my website, on cgpgrade.com, not on YouTube, I have to embed that video from uh, YouTube. But if I was uploading on Yahoo and YouTube, I would have to pick which one of those two services do I uh, want to embed the video from. This is right? true. I'm not going to have both of them. Or, or for example, when I say on Twitter, uh, oh, there's a brand new uh, CGP Grey video, and I include a link. I'm not going to link to both Yahoo yeah. and YouTube. I see now. I right? see. So, so yeah. I, I think they, they could just try to convince people to be there yeah. and then maybe demonstrate, look, we can get you – more dollars per thousand views. Uh, You've than, clearly than... thought this through more than me, and <laughs> and you are wiser and smarter than me as always. And you've proven it yet again. I, well, I, this is we're just we're just speculating here. You know what what might Yahoo? It be obviously up to? hasn't occurred to you in the slightest that I may be one of the people they've approached. <laughs> and from your laugh, I well, think well, that ends that conversation right there. No, you, you know what? I just assumed that you would have told me. I, f- I feel like you wouldn't you wouldn't hold a secret like that from me, would you? Ah, oh, you sneaky man. Well, <laughs> I, I, might, I might tell you. I'm not sure I'd tell the whole podcasting world, but maybe they had me sign a non-disclosure form or something like that. You know? Maybe. I they feel have, like they I feel like you, me. Yeah. They haven't approached me. I, feel I hadn't like even heard me. of it. <laughs> I'm the last person I'll approach, especially after that 26 and a half minute video I put up today. They've probably crossed me off a list now. Well, let's well, let's see. Maybe that'll be your most uh, your most popular video ever. You never let's know. see if there's any new comments on that video. Hang on, because <laughs> of course you know I approve comments now. After you know this from previous discussions. So <sighs> yes, I do know this. So um, that so I still think that's a terrible decision. But it, um, <laughs> it, it, it has its problems. But I'm going with it for now. Um, has many many problems. Yeah. Well. Hang on, you remember the things, you know, you haven't you haven't got like people in your videos being harassed and having comments made about their uh, yes, you know, no, but but, race or but sexuality or yes, but my my opinion is that you should just if you're going to have to do this, you shouldn't just have the comments at all. Like the, approving the comments is just just a huge burden of labor that you're you're adding on to yourself there. That's that's if, I, I I would just shut down the comments instead of promising to moderate the whole discussion. So someone's commented on your comment saying, you are awesome, CGP. So why is it people are saying you are awesome on one of my videos? This doesn't seem right. I'm uh, deleting that one. Yeah, that's, uh, no, I'm not really. That's, I'm not really deleting that. <laughs> I yeah, like you can say that, but that's fine. You know, we'll go back later and see if it's still there. I'm sure it won't be. I'm sure you'll, you will have taken it down. No, no, of course it's there. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Yahoo, we will wait and see. Yeah, I, w- I, will, be, I will be curious to see that. Obviously, I'm very grateful to YouTube for allowing me to turn this into a, a professional living. But I always think more competition is is better than less competition in in all areas like this. And I think it's it's pretty fair to say that YouTube has just no comparable 
uh, competition out there on the internet. There's Vimeo, but Vimeo is such a different creature. It's not like Yahoo, uh, it's not like uh, YouTube at all. Yeah, so it is different. Yeah, it's it's complete. It's completely different. There's no advertising on Vimeo. That's that's yeah. for one. So like this this whole business model of, of ours couldn't exist on on Vimeo. No, which makes it a, a it makes it a very different kind of creature, and in some ways better, in some ways worse. But uh, yeah, so I, I I would I would welcome more competition in the internet space. It's always better. So I've had a few things going on. Oh yeah, I I was I had a few sort of negative moany things and a few positive things because mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm always mindful of being too much of a whinger. Yeah, but this is but, no, this is going to be like we discussed last time where there's going to be Brady's airplane crash corner, and then the moany <laughs> section is Brady's paper cuts. I think yeah, we've, we've we done airplane crash corner already, haven't we? So yes. Now we're, now yeah. we're for, uh, so now we're on to Brady's paper cuts is the part where you moan about something small. This is because I know you're a fan of kind of Lord of the Rings hobbity type stuff. Mm-hmm. I watched the Desolation of Smog, Smaug, however you say it, yeah. the latest Hobbit film last night. Mm-hmm. I was pretty unimpressed with the first Hobbit film, mm-hmm. but I had heard this one was better and they were kind of, you know, pulling it from the fire a bit. I beg to differ. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was pretty unimpressed mm-hmm. by the, the film. I nearly turned it off. Mm-hmm. Uh was I just? Did I just catch it at the wrong time, or is this one also dull as dishwater, dishwater repetitive? Uh, is there something wrong with me? Was well, this a good film? I didn't see it, oh. and I was sure you would have seen it. You'd love that stuff. Well, I I was super into the original Lord of the Rings movies coming out, and I still really like those. No, they were great. Yes. I love them. Although I, I always, even at the time I thought like man they were just a couple years too early with the CGI technology like mm. they they made them when the CGI was was totally passable but I even remember thinking at, at the time like mm, this is this is not going to look so great in ten years time and I and think the CGI in these Hobbit films is worse. That's impressive then I guess. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't seen the Hobbit ones and I just. I feel like I had no interest as soon as I discovered that it was – I can't even – is it two or is it three movies? Three. Oh, God. Yeah. I feel like that, that was the single piece of information that, was, that just ruled it out in my brain. The Hobbit could be a good two-hour movie. It is yeah. not a trilogy. Yeah, well, I think maybe that is the problem. Uh, anyway, I was going to have a bit of a rant. I was hoping that you'd say, oh, no, it's great and be really nerdy about them. But <laughs> it sounds like – it sounds like uh, – there's nothing to be had there. So <laughs> yeah. basically the, the sum total of my comment then is I saw a movie last night that I didn't like very much. <laughs> let, me tell you about, let me tell you about my dream I had afterwards. <laughs> Brady's paper cut corner. <laughs> I saw a movie. Yeah. It wasn't very good. Thumbs down. You've got you've to, uh, you know, you've got to throw a few of these things out there in the hope that something catches. <laughs> let me give you some, let me give you my uh, happy corner. Yeah. Today there was some excellent news. Mm-hmm. Liverpool, my preferred football team, defeated <laughs> Manchester City. Oh yeah, three goals to two in a very important game. Uh-huh. This was good. Good, good. Anything you want to ask me about it? Or uh, well, three to two. I huh? do know that when I told you earlier off air that I, I was watching football today, you said, oh, that's good. Did your team get the snitch? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> this is like my feeling on the sports. Yeah. 
I, you know, as like I wanted to ask a question, but I've already forgot. It's like Liverpool versus someone else. It's it slides out of my brain just. Is so there any sport you will watch? Do you ever watch a sport? Do you watch the Super Bowl? <laughs> no, I do not watch that. Is watch. there any sport can you I, watch? Can I can I tell you something about American football? Yeah, American football, I think has to be the most boring televised sport in existence. Have, have you have you watched an American football yeah, game? Yeah, I, I mean, I always watch the Super Bowl, uh, but I don't usually watch other games. But I occasionally will. I want to see if I can, if I can pull it up. I had a I had a when I was a, a kid, I had a, a childhood friend who watched football all the time, and so it was just sort of on. And I remember thinking they must spend eighty percent of their time just it seems to me standing around like. People, it's like they're not doing anything. The, the amount of time they spend actually running on the field seems implausibly short compared to <laughs> how long it's on TV. And I don't know if I can if I can find it here, but a couple of weeks ago I found some infographic where someone actually broke down the amount of time that the Super Bowl takes, yeah. inc- including advertising yeah. and the pauses and... and and, and whatever it was, I think it's something like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Super Bowl is broadcast for seven hours. And <laughs> in that amount of time, there's three minutes of running on the field and smashing into each other. Uh, it's just unbelievable that anyone can sit through, can sit through that. I don't, I don't understand this. Um, so I, I do not watch the Super Bowl. And there, I, I don't, I just don't. Watch sports. I mean, I know I sort of tease you about. I don't mean to bemoan people who who follow no, sports. No. Like everybody's into their own things, and and I'm into stuff that is just would be shockingly boring for other people. So like, this is what makes the world an interesting place: is different people have different interests. Uh, but I just, uh, yeah, I, I can't say I have a lot of interest in any sports. I'm trying to think. When so I know, I know when I was a very little kid. My father is not also a into sports kind of guy. But when I was a little kid, my father took me to Yankee Stadium in New York. Oh, so yeah. We could go watch a baseball game. Uh, I'm a big Yankees fan. I, I would go to Yankee Stadium all the time. I love it. Yeah. So, so we went, you know, we did the, 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 you know, the thing you go, you get like hot dog and you sit in the stadium and you watch baseball. And we left after a couple of innings because we were both just very bored. Uh, but my father felt that it was his responsibility you know, as a dad in New York to take me to at least one baseball game. But we both were just bored to death because it's just so slow. Um, Why yeah. are we even friends, Gray? <laughs> I, well, I, I think... <laughs> are we... <laughs> I feel like we're friends. It's okay, it's okay to have very different friends because you don't you don't want me to watch sports with you. I think that would be a problem if if you well, wanted to sit down. It sounds like it would be a huge problem, and you and won't come to Mount Everest with me. You. No, but you know, I, I'm always happy to talk to you. We're also we're also work colleagues. That's that's the thing. This is like a, this is like a internet water cooler. We, yeah. what we're doing with the podcast. All right, um, talking about business. But um, I had yeah. one other great triumph today. Yeah, I hung a mirror on the wall, uh-huh. a great big heavy mirror. Uh-huh. I am unspeakably bad at DIY around the house. Mm-hmm. And this was the third big mirror that I had to hang. Uh, and the first two had ended up not straight. Mm-hmm. And these were like these were like high stakes mirrors where like you have to put, 
screw holes into walls before you hang the mirror so there's no like fine tuning afterwards with you know leaning it sideways on the wire this was like you get it right or you Mm -hmm. die Mm -hmm. and i I died twice but today Mm -hmm. like this was this i was at the end of my tether and i was like okay i'll try one more and then if it doesn't work i'm never doing it again Mm -hmm. and i hung it and it's straight and it's a thing of beauty and I don't know. It just made me feel good. Like I hung the mirror and I just looked at it, it triumphantly mm-hmm. and then sat down, watched the football, watched my team win. It mm-hmm. was a real... I had a moment. <laughs> I had a moment. And then I sent you the picture of like the mirror and the TV in the same shot to you saying, look how good my life is. And then you sent, you sent some whingy text back <laughs> saying... That is not at all what happened. That's that is, no, that is not at all what happened. That's what happened. So, I'm going to pull this up here. What actually happened here? Oh, actually, you did sort of say that. <laughs> I think I was so distracted by the picture. <laughs> That's right. You did say, watching sport in a house containing objects, bliss, smiley face. Yeah. And then, and then here is the picture. That is a very big mirror that you had to hang up. That is a big uh, mirror. But there are, there are a lot of things in this picture, one of which I have to ask... This is a picture of Brady's house, by the way. Next to the TV that has the sports game on it, you have a, a phone that is an old-style rotary phone. Yeah. And I am, I am suspicious as to whether or not this is a functioning phone because it's an odd place in the house to have a phone. Well, let me... Does let that me, phone work? Let me put your mind at ease. It is a functioning phone. Hmm. Uh, unfortunately, because we don't use the landline... And we don't really want a landline in the house, but it's just occasionally you need them. Like, like people require them. Like, like we weren't able to get a mortgage without having a landline. Uh, Do people still have landlines? Can I complain about this for a minute? Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know this is the exact same experience. We have just moved, and, I, and I've run into this same thing. And I got, I got into an argument with BT, British Telecom, uh, <laughs> because I was, I was trying to get something sorted out with our, with our internet connection. And and they were like, oh well, we're gonna we're gonna call you on on your landline phone to continue this conversation. <laughs> it's like I don't I don't have a landline phone. Yeah, I don't I don't have a phone in my house. And I ended up getting into this argument with the BT person. I felt like, what is this 1950? Like you have my cell phone number in like that's why you're called. Like you accepted this phone call. You know it's me. It's just infuriating that they're like, oh, we have to talk on the landline phone. I don't have a landline phone. I don't mm-hmm. want a landline phone. Yeah. I don't want a machine in my house that just randomly rings. <sighs> <laughs> that, was, that was supposed to be positive corner there with my mirror yeah, hanging. And it just turned into like another old man moan about <laughs> companies. But I think so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, just, that's just your fundamental personality, Brady, is you're just a whinger. Well, I, I think, am I, think with I think you kind of dragged that one down the whinging line. I was, I just wanted you to say good, good stuff on the mirror. Are you good at DIY? I'm That's sorry. what I wanted to ask you. Are you a good handyman around the house? You've I'm just sorry. moved house, haven't you? I have, I have just moved house. I, I'm sorry that I did not compliment you on your mirror. It's, it's very well hung. Your mirror. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay. happy now. <laughs> yep. I don't often find the occasion for DIY stuff, so. Because I guess you don't hang pictures and things, do you? You just have these sort of stark white walls, and we had some pictures in our in our old place, and there's a couple that that come up now. But I mean, I can I can put a tiny nail in the wall. You do put uh, pictures on the wall in your house. Uh, we had a we had a few pictures on the wall, um, like printed on photographic paper, like 
Yeah, yeah. There, there, there are a couple of pictures uh, that we have. We got wow. um, like pictures my wife took and, and we printed out and, and put up on the walls. Uh, not not a whole lot, but just just some. You know, I don't I don't require walls to be totally barren. No. I think pictures are fine. But uh, yeah, I uh, because I'm renting you know, most of the, the DIY stuff. The landlord wouldn't even want you to do nah, on you, your own. You can't uh, crack out the drill and really make a mess of things like I do. Yeah, so so I, I would say that in my adult life, I have not had a great deal of experience in being able to flex my DIY muscles because I live in places that I do not own. Someone else owns them, and they want you to call if there's something that, that needs fixing because the last thing they want is a tenant who has, I guess, electrocuted himself to death in their apartment uh, because he was <laughs> trying to fix something with the wiring or install a new light bulb or, or something else. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think not. I feel like you seem to see every activity that you can perform physically as, like, you just attach a death risk to it. Like, like will you come to Mount Everest? No, I could die. Will you drill a hole in the wall? No, I could die. Like, are you, it's, I, I thought maybe I was the morbid one here, but I think... I'm not so sure now. Well, well first of all, I, I, I would not say that I could die. Right? If you listen to our previous discussion, I talk about the increasing probability of death. Right? And I would prefer <laughs> to keep that small. Right? Okay. So, so, so even in activity, like sitting in a chair all day and never exercising, that increases probability of, of death uh, in, in an insidious, non-visible way. So yeah. you counter that by exercise or by walking around. So it's... it's mm. uh, it's not that I think of all physical activities as as death-inducing. No, you, know? you also think of non-physical activities as death-inducing. <laughs> yes, that's right. You just and think of everything <laughs> as death-inducing. Well, everything comes with some probability of, of death increase or death decrease, and you have to you have to weigh those concerns. You know, like like going to the gym, you can die of a heart attack on the treadmill, but oh, statistically speaking, if you are on the if you're in the gym and you're exercising, right, that is. You are moving death further away than you are bringing him closer if you are in the gym, even though you can be the, the unlucky heart attack lottery winner on the treadmill in the gym. Just How ironic that you chose the treadmill as the, for the analogy of making death get further away <laughs> or behind you when you're standing still. Yes, that's a good point. But yeah, it's, yeah it's, so All right. I, anyway, I, uh, yeah. Let's change, do changing, uh, let's, let's change the topic to the topic of the day. <laughs> are we going to do? Do you have topic? to play a sound effect here, or do we just do it? Uh, I guess we can. We can just do it. I'm still not sure about these about topics and and uh, running out of things to say. But I guess because we don't really have a topic, we just have a topic that if we run out of stuff to say, we'll talk about. And last time we'd never even did the topic. But, yeah, that's true. But I think this time we need to like you know we need we need to we need to move on from. <laughs> From whinging about our lives and whinge about something on a grander scale. Yeah. So yes, I, I guess you're right. And so I, there was there was uh, something that I did sort of want to talk about, mm. uh, which I which I guess could be the topic. And I, I have some notes here. It might be a little a little scatterbrained. So as always, I will, I will uh, rely on you to ask some questions to help me through this. But because in in our our previous podcasts, we've kind of touched on the the world of education uh, and listeners will know that I, I was a teacher and I, and I felt like I kept putting off some thoughts about education for, for a future episode and so I think this is this is maybe the, the time to talk about it and um, I, I want to phrase this this topic as what do schools really do 
or you know, or or what is the purpose that schools serve in society? Okay, and that that is very distinct from the question of what do we want schools to do, you know, or what schools should do. Uh, so that I feel like I, I don't want to talk about ideal schools. I, I want to I want to bring up what I think is perhaps a very grim view of what schools actually do in society. So, so, think, so rather than like what are schools for, it's a bit more like what are schools achieving or what are they or not achieving? But yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Achieving may, might be an interesting interesting way to put. What it do as schools well. contribute? Mm, contribute is an overly optimistic word. I think. Okay. <laughs> um, Okay, so so, so I, I I already have the tone here that this this is going to be something along the lines of you thinking that schools are not are doing a, a brilliant thing for society. Well, I, what I would say is this: I think that that schools are not necessarily doing what people say they do, right? When you have a conversation about schools and people talk about education. And education is, is one of these topics that I think is, uh, it's, it's interesting because everybody kind of has this experience, right? You are a kid and you grow up and, and you go to school and everybody's experienced this sort of in the Western world, right? That, that school is a huge part of life. And, and so, Everyone kind of is, has a, a vested interest in this game, right? You're a parent and you send your kid to school and then you have memories of, of what it was like for when you were at school. And I think this is also why education and funding education and teachers and teachers unions, like they're always very hot political topics because it's the kind of thing that everybody can get involved in because everybody has an experience of having gone to school and, and what what they thought about it. And... They also seem to me like that people will always criticise schools and the education system, etc., in that political kind of way. Mm-hmm. But they're also a bit of a sacred cow. Schools, aren't they? They're like a like there is uniform agreement that they are schools are a good thing. Yes, yes. That, that's yeah. why I mean it's, it's a hot topic because yeah. it, it can be argued about from from both sides. Right? Schools can yeah. be can be revered, or people can can hate their local school system, or, or whatever it is. But it's okay. it's impossible, I think. To, to not have contention over schools because everybody experiences it in a very direct way. Yeah. Right? Whereas there's tons of, of topics in politics that people just have no interest or, or care in because they, they didn't spend, you know, 12 years of their life involved in this thing. It can um, go – I know this isn't what we're talking about, but mm. it just reminds me. It can go layers down too. Like, for example, like I don't have children. Mm-hmm. But I have a tremendous interest in schools in my area because of how it affects the price of my house. Right, right, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. The the ever the ever popular getting into a good school district method yeah. of human relocation uh, after child child time. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that, that, like that. Yeah, that has huge knock on effects for property markets. Yeah, uh, like if my local school suddenly takes a dive, so does my house prices, and yes. then suddenly I care tremendously about what's going on at my local school. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, that's that's exactly it. And you're, you're not even you, you yeah. don't even have a kid in that school, but it still yeah. does affect you. So yeah, yeah. that's why every everybody gets kind of tangled. Tangled up, uh, tangled up in in this in this system. Okay. Um, so, tell me what you're thinking. Yeah. So here's here's the starting point from that is schools are ostensibly about 
learning. I mean, like, I, I don't know a more fundamental statement than that to say that schools are what we think of as where people go to learn. Yeah. Right. It couldn't be couldn't be more basic than that. Whether and, it's learn on that kind of academic level or just sort of a socialization type level, or yeah, learn yeah. in the in the broadest yep. sense of the word. Yeah, right. That's schools are where, where people go to learn. Um, and this is I sort of alluded it. <laughs> I sort of alluded to this in the previous podcast uh, from my own time as a teacher. But something that if you are paying attention, if you are not sort of deluding yourself as a teacher. You can very quickly pick up on the fact that, at least from the academic side, students are not learning a whole lot in school in terms of actual material that you are theoretically teaching. Uh, you know, so I would do say a year of physics, and then I would say even after a single summer vacation. If kids come back in the next year and you start asking them a bunch of physics questions, almost all of that information is just completely gone. I always think of summers as almost a time when, like, children are able to just shake their brain free of all of the things that have been trying to stuffed in them over over the course of an academic year, and they come back to school, <laughs> right, all fresh and empty, right? You know, that's um, sometimes the way it can kind of feel as as a teacher. It's like, didn't didn't we do all of this before? Shouldn't you have learned this? And again, I I say that this is for for all subjects, and yeah, I've so, seen. So it's not because it sounds a bit familiar to your language bashing from a couple of podcasts yeah. ago. So that's exactly. A, I, so you're I, saying I, the same thing about all subjects now. Yeah, I am putting. I'm putting. This is not language in particular. I'm talking about for all subjects. Yeah, and I've e- I've even seen some uh, some interesting kind of like follow up studies asking post high school graduates a year later, you know, the most basic questions from some of the subjects that they took, and the you know the answers are just abysmal. You know, it's it's just no better than than a random member of the population. You know how how much they actually remember from a course that they've they've been through. So I think that's that's kind of an interesting thing to note, right? That schools are supposedly teaching kids all day long all kinds of stuff about the world and about literature and and about art and about science, but they this information is just so rapidly lost. Or there's even a question about how much of it did kids ever learn in the first place? Which again, if you are a, if you are a teacher, you can definitely see that firsthand. Mm. Uh, that it, it might even be optimistic to talk about this knowledge having been lost from some students, because that's, there's a presumption that it was ever there in the first place. So I think that that's that's just this is kind of like a starting point. Is there is less learning than I think people kind of talk about when they talk about schools yeah but i don't know man like if i if i i don't remember i can't remember if you ask me to tell you what i learned at school i can't remember all these equations i learned mathematics and i can't remember these language things and i can't remember things about shakespeare but if i didn't go to school for all that time i don't think i'd be the same guy talking to you that i am now i think i think you're throwing away a lot of intangible stuff. I think you're throwing away a bit of the kind of Mr. Miyagi component of school where the actual, just the process of learning is, is teaches you a lot and makes you the person you become. So even though I can't remember exactly A plus B, I'm still like, 
I still learned how to learn mm. and I learned how to how to become a fully functioning smart human and I think just applying the simple test of do you remember Newton's equations that I that you were taught last year is I think that's oversimplifying learning and education mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right now I, I will grant it that there are there are other things that are going on in school and I would actually say there are things that, that kids genuinely learn but I think a statement like had I not gone to school I would be a different person hmm. is is a truism right had you spent 12 years of your life doing anything else that statement would also be true right you you like it's such a big chunk of time okay i wouldn't be right? a different person i would be an inferior i think i would be not as high functioning mm-hmm. okay yes yeah, so i think that that's a that's a better statement to say right okay and I, and i think i think that there is there is something to that but so the, the question about learning i think kind of leans into uh, what i wanted to to bring up about this which is if we if we start from the position that that schools maybe can't be about learning objective facts, right, which is something that you would agree to as well, it can't be about teaching a whole bunch of kids specific facts that they remember later because they because they don't remember it later. It's it, it's something else. Something else is kind of going on here. Yeah, and and this is this would come up in my own classes. I think I mentioned this before, uh, but ki- kids would ask me, you know, when are we ever going to use this? You know, I'm teaching them physics, and I would just, I would straight up say, "You're never gonna, you're never gonna use this." Uh, the answer is never. But like in Karate Kid, you know, <laughs> da- da- Daniel Larusso was like, "When am I ever gonna need to paint the fence?" And Mr. Miyagi was like, "Don't worry, this will come in handy," you know. And then it did. He had these things ingrained into him that made him like awesome in the final karate tournament. <laughs> Isn't school like that? It's like, when am I gonna use Newton's equations? Well, you might not use Newton's equations, but trust me. This will this will help you win the big fight at the end. Everything comes what, down what, karate kid. I was going to say, what is the big fight in the end in this analogy? I'm not quite sure. I'm not know, quite I'm sure. Just, <laughs> I've just completely gone as a karate kid now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I could see, I could see. But, uh, but no, okay, so, uh, so but, okay, but so, so let me let me let me follow through on this, right? Yeah. So this would this would always lead to a little a little discussion sometimes in in classes, which I was kind of happy to have. Yeah. Uh, so I said like, you're never going to learn this, and so they go, well. You know, well, what are we doing here, right? <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're, are the teachers tell us stories about how we're going to need this in the future or how it's going to help us win the big fight? You know, it's eventually going to be useful. You know, maybe not today, but <laughs> yeah. just. And I would, I would not take that position. Yeah. And my position was that look, the reason, the reason you're here, you know, you're taking this class, and your goal is to get good grades. Because those grades are signaling qualities about you to the outside world. And, like, that is the core of what schools do from a societal perspective. They're a sieve. That's exactly it. They're they're a kind of sieve. And I think this this is a... It's like an unhappy way to look at schools, but I, I do think that it is a relatively accurate way to look at schools. But, e- but even more so, that the sieve effect is, is very interesting. So in, 
if this is, comes up in economics sometimes, and uh, I want to look up his name because I just want to, I just want to get it right. Some of this stuff is is based on the um, some of the stuff I'm going to talk about today is is from the work of uh, an economist in particular called uh, Brian Kaplan, um, who is talking about what happens to kids in various stages of of education, mm. and, and so the 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 key points here that are, are interesting is right. Okay, so you look at um, this is for America. If you look at the earnings, for example, and I know earnings are not everything, but we're just trying to get some kind of measure. How much do high school graduates earn versus non-high school graduates? And it turns out that high school graduates earn about 50% more a year than non-high school graduates earn. Yeah. Right? There's no surprise there. Right? That's not like a shocking piece of information. I don't think that if, if you go to high school, you can get a better job. Um, but the, the really interesting thing in those statistics is that basically going to a little bit of high school or even going to most of high school is just totally worthless in terms of of earnings, right? So if you go to high school for three and a half years, but, you you know, you miss out on some class in the final year, you might as well have not gone to high school at all. If you don't get that piece of paper. If you don't get that degree, it doesn't matter that you have done yeah. 99% of the work. And, and the interesting thing about that is, is this, this is something called, you know, is called signaling in, in, in economics, which means like that piece of paper is acting as a stamp that says something about you as a person. Right? You, you made it through all of, all of this, this, this series of hoops that we have put up for you. Um, and the, and the piece of paper is is the thing that lets employers, for example, know that you have made it through all of these these hoops. But you, you would expect that if school was preparing you for the real world, and this is, again, in the broadest possible way, social skills, interacting with people, just learning how to be a good person, all of which you know also matters for, for people's lives and, and their working experiences – you would expect to see more of an effect as as people go through high school that three years in mm. that should if school is is teaching you something anything about your existence in the real world, three years of high school should be much better than yeah. one year of high school so it would be staggered those sort of earnings figures would change that yeah. there wouldn't be the step jump it would be a yeah. curve and so from from the 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 numbers uh that, that I, I saw his blog, I think. Um, it, was, it was something like year one of high school uh, increases your earnings 10%. Year two is like 5%. Year three does nothing. And then the remaining chunk of it that gets you up to 50 happens only when you graduate. And, and like there should be more of a linear progression with that. And it's the same thing for colleges that the earnings difference for going to college was 80% versus not going to college, right? People who go to college earn 80% more. And I, it, and I, I agree with you, Gray, here. Yeah, yeah. Like, I agree that schools have this, uh, have this sieve effect in society and that. But I do think, and you acknowledge this yourself, mm-hmm. we're talking about money here. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to money and earnings and career opportunities, um, education does have this, 
this role, this selective role. And I know it gets really political after that and we talk about yeah, yeah, money yeah. and exclusive schools and there's a lot there's a lot that we could talk about and that's not what we are talking about. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to some of the other things that can be measured, like your ability to uh, make a phone call to the bank, to hang a mirror, to get along <laughs> in society, to raise children, to do a lot of the other things that don't involve putting money in your pocket... I think there prob- there would be a correlation between how much education you had and how well you do those things. So I think saying that education is not contributing to people unless they, you know, make the next step or get through that next finishing tape is unfair. And I do think that mm-hmm. education uh, enriches people in other ways that aren't just about money and career opportunities. Mm-hmm. Now, there's there's, there's a... Is an interesting question in here. Let, let's, I'll, I'll pick. I'll pick the worst example, probably from the bunch that, that you just did. Raising children. Okay. But, uh, you know, go, going to college makes you a better parent. Neither of which you and I, you and I have done. <laughs> we should acknowledge. Right. Yeah, we, we, uh, I do not have children. You do not have children. <laughs> so, so let's let's talk about children, shall we? Right? Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's pontificate. <laughs> so all the parents out there. Well, yeah. I've been to college, so I'm going to be a better parent. But so let's let's take that 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 statement that question uh, or yeah yeah right that that going to college makes you a better parent. There's there's a I didn't say going to college makes you a better parent. I just go, yeah, said more I just years said being educated. Yeah. yeah yeah. Well, you're, well, what you're saying is that school is the thing that makes you educated. So it's it's the schooling that makes you a better parent. That's that's sort of the position that you're saying there. Okay. Well, let's. Yeah. All right. Is it? I'll, is I'll it? let you go with it. Um, I think there are other things that could also contribute to how good a parent you probably would be, like like how good your parents are and yes, other the, things that happen in your life. But there, I think, there are many things. But do you think that more years of schooling would make you a better parent? Uh, all things, all other things being all equal. All other things being equal. Yeah, I, okay. I think probably you, you learn, yeah. I'll okay. go with I'll go with yes. Okay, so so the the very interesting thing there is is your comment about all other things being equal. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm not. We're, I'm, neither of us are saying that that this this effect is true, but we're just using it as a discussion point. The question is: Do people who go to college have a better chance of, of being better parents, or is it the college that makes them? In this example, better parents. Can I just clarify what college means? I'm sorry, I'm being oh, yeah, English sorry, Australian yeah. here. Uh, just, just after high school, like university level. Um, okay, well, I think yeah, I'm not really thinking about. See, I only went to college for one year myself, so and then I got a job and left. So, mm-hmm. uh, but so you, you mean like sixth form college? Is that what you mean? No, no, no. I started doing a degree, and then okay. I got offered a job at a newspaper, and they said. We don't want you to have a degree. We'd rather train you ourselves. So I mm-hmm. said, all right, mm-hmm. that'll mm-hmm. save me a few years. <laughs> but um, uh, I always said I'd go back and do it part-time. Mm-hmm. Fat chance of it ever happening. Okay, okay. Why? I think why? I, wait, wait. Why, why won't you ever go back? Because I don't need the piece of paper. Right. See, yeah. this yeah. is exactly it, right? That's yeah. the only reason. You won't go back because there's nothing in your life right now with the kind of career that you have that that piece of paper speaks to, right? That that piece of paper improves. You yes. don't need that signal to any employer, you know, or, or any, any person in that kind of position 
to prove yes. that you're a certain kind of yes because I've because I've done the jobs and I I now can you rely on other things I'm I'm not disagreeing that that there is this exclusivity sieve function this mm-hmm. selectivity function to education but to take it to the other extreme if when I was five years old my parents said we're not going to send you to school Brady we're just going to let you play cricket in the backyard and swim in the pool mm-hmm. I definitely would not have got that job at the newspaper. Mm-hmm. So my education is is what gave me that uh, luxury of towards the end being able to decide whether or not to finish my degree mm-hmm. because I was already you know a person of you know I had abilities and I had knowledge and you know I had social skills that I had developed through my time at school mm-hmm. and I don't know if there's some other if you think me just being sitting around at home and not being schooled either at a school or homeschooled would have made no difference i probably will take issue with you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well this is also just totally anecdotally um but i i know people who were homeschooled and basically left to their own devices who who basically became educated people on their own and that's of course i understand that like, this is anecdotes with anecdotes is not a not a good Argument, but I think there's a there's a question of like what kind of person are you? Certain kinds of people are inclined towards educating themselves, so it's not entirely impossible. But um, to go back to what you're saying, I I would say that um, my view of of what you learn in school the the earlier school starts, the more important it is. So like I see kids in primary school, and I think maybe per hour those are some of the best times people ever spend in schools. Yeah, because. First of all, you're learning how to tie your shoes, right? Which yeah. is genuinely important. Like I use that every day. How I don't to know read. what. Yeah, I don't know what teacher taught me how to tie my shoes, but it, that's been great. Yes, the yeah. reading one I think is is the best bang for the buck ever. Yeah. Humans don't want to learn to read. That's not a very natural thing. You have to put them, especially tiny humans, in a in a constrained environment where you're just going to learn this. You're not going to like it. But you know we know we know better for you, and also I think in primary school a thing that is is fairly obvious if you ever hang around with primary school kids, they're learning how to not be animals. <laughs> they, they, they're they're learning you can't bite someone when you're angry. You know they're they're learning you can't just pee on the floor. You know or like if you're gonna throw up you have to go to the bathroom. They're they're learning just not to be. Tiny, tiny animals. I must is... take you for a night out in Nottingham one time and you can watch <laughs> where everyone has unlearned that. But like, but, like, I'd love that as a slogan for a school. Welcome to CGP Great Primary School, where we will teach you not to be an animal. Yes, but that's, that, like, I think that that is what primary school is doing. And it, it's, you know, you, we're putting these little kids under all these constraints where their brains have to learn. Like, you, I mean, so unnatural for a little kid, but it's, well, you know, <laughs> Welcome to the world. You are going to have to sit indoors in a room for long periods of time, and you're not going to want to do it, but we're going to get this started right away. And that's that's kind of what primary school is. And by the time you get to, say, secondary school or, or high school, kids have gotten used to that. They're, 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 they're familiar with this. They're, yeah. The, cu- you know. the, cu- the curve, like, the, the, the steepness of the curve changes. Yeah. But you're still learning other things. You're learning how to talk to girls or you're learning how to interact with adults because at that point you start having a different dynamic with your teachers and you or you start learning um more subtle things about human interaction that's a bit less base than don't bite people yeah don't pee on the floor but i think through school that stuff's 
always going on that socialization but I, but also at probably at the education level that thing starts happening you learn how to rather than learning how to read and write you learn how to persuade or to make an argument so even though you don't remember the argument you made about hamlet you were learning how to make an argument in that essay that you were writing for your teacher that's what i mean about learning to learn learning to do things so even though you don't remember facts and figures that those things that you picked up at that time i think stick with you and make you what you are later on whether so, or not there's an alternative to school well you go ahead and put one to me but i think school does serve that purpose yeah so uh, here here is here's again some my my, my counter feeling to this which okay. is what, the the learning to learn argument hmm. i would say that when i when i have this discussion with people which some, which obviously can get a heated discussion uh, this is this is not you know uh, this is not for you in particular but just in general the hmm. people who who argue learning to learn are people who generally had positive experiences in school they are the people who were academically successful they are the people who applied to and, and got into universities. Mm. It's an argument that comes from a particular section of the school age population or, or the educated population. I'm not convinced necessarily that schools teach kids how to learn how to learn. I think that's, that's a, it's a kind of personality trait in certain kinds of kids, which can be brought out by schools. It could be brought out by all kinds of other things as well. But I think there, it's, it's, it's wrong to say that the school is the thing that teaches that. And part of this is just looking at, you know, dropout rates from schools yeah, I know. So high school dropout rates are, you know, roughly it's uh, 10% of, of kids who go to high school in America drop out. It's relatively low. But then when you look at kids who go to uh, – kids who apply to and are accepted to college, you know, 40% of them don't make it out with a bachelor's degree within six years, right? They, they withdraw. And you're already talking about a relatively small portion of the population who goes to college anyway, which – is uh, in the U.S. and the U.K., it's about 30% of the population, 25 to 30% has college degrees. And so I, I just, I feel like the learning to learn argument, I just don't think is, is convincing. I think this I mean, is like a personality yeah. trait. And, it's and, hard for me to argue that because I, I, I sort of fit into, you know, you sort of scotched any argument before I could make it by saying excellent. the people who... But let me, <laughs> I think maybe the best way for you to persuade me of what you're trying to get across here Mm -hmm. is give me an alternative give me an alternative that will give society all the things it needs that doesn't involve schools well no 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 i'm here this is this is why i want to bound this argument in the beginning Hmm. i am trying to make a sort of value neutral argument that this this is what schools do i don't even necessarily think it's bad because okay. in some sense, right, like, so, so flip it around. We're talking about students and things. But if you talk about employers, employers need some kind of way to filter out people who, who apply for jobs, right? depending on what to, kind of they job. They need a way to discriminate. That's exactly it. 
And, you know, like that's that's the harsh reality of life. Hmm. If, you, if you post a job and you get 200 job applications, you need some way to, to filter those things down. And if you're applying for uh, – if you're – if you want a relatively let's let's okay let's say you 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 have a job and you're looking for a smart person now you get a whole bunch of 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 applications more likely than not the people who went to college and graduated college are probably smarter than the people who failed out of high school now that's not to say that everybody who failed out of high school isn't smart, but it's it's like a it's like the death thing we were talking about before. It's a statistics game. You have you have to play the odds here, and you're going to pick the college educated person. I also think very interestingly that the the other thing that's kind of getting stamped on onto kids by like you have passed high school stamp, you have passed college stamp, isn't actually necessarily primarily intelligence. I think it's. It's largely a certain kind of conscientiousness that's really the, the bar to pass with high school and with college. Right? Can you keep track of all of these assignments that we have given you? Right? Are you able to show up a certain amount of, of times? Right? Are, are you able to we're, – we're giving you assignments. Are you able to do enough of those assignments to the specifications that are required. Like, I, I actually think that's kind of the primary thing that schools are really testing kids for. It's, a, so it's, a fi- it's like a 15-year stickability test. Yes, this is exactly it, right? And that's, this is one of the reasons, like, why, why is school so long? Because your work life is long and boring, right? And we need to make sure <laughs> that you are a person who has proven they are able to, you know, do a long and boring routine and you're able to make your way through it and get, and get certified. Now, again, this is not to say that people don't learn any – that people don't learn things in school. That's, that's not – my argument, like, oh, nothing is, is learned. But I think the primary purpose or the primary function of schools in a society is to act as a kind of filter that, that or a kind of approval process for people entering the labor market. And that's, that's why there's such a high premium on graduating Whereas attending some college is is almost as as, as worthless as, as as doing no college at all. There's a little bit of a benefit, but not a huge benefit when you're looking at the at the population as a whole. So, mm. and I guess I, I I mention this because I I always really liked uh, talking to students when I I could, and I think. A lot of kids asked me about universities and, and jobs, and I think it's because maybe I gave more direct answers than some other teachers gave sometimes. Um, and, I, and I would say that there was, a certain, there was a certain kind of kid, particularly a certain kind of both conscientious kids and both very smart kids, who it, it felt like they were able to deal with school a lot better if they kind of faced the true nature of it, that like what, you know, what this is, is a certification process. You know, we are certifying that at some point you were diligent enough to be able to get through some difficult classes. We're not expecting you to remember this stuff later. And, and I just felt like some, some kids really reacted very well to that of kind of 
understanding, oh, okay, this is the game that's going on here. Are there kids that don't react well to that? Are there kids for whom that is bad information? I, what I would say is that, that the, the re- other reactions that I got were either just sort of a laughing kind of incredulity, mm-hmm. like, oh, he's being silly. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, and, and I have to say, if I, was, if I was talking to kids one-on-one, it's a slightly different conversation than if I'm doing it in front of the whole class. Yeah. You know, but if I was talking to a group of kids, I do it in kind of a, I do it in kind of a funnier way so it can be played off. As like, oh, maybe I'm not being entirely serious. But you could see some kids were like, oh, I think he does really mean this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I would say it was either you'd get a kind of, yeah, just, oh, this is, this is really funny or just a, a kind of indifference. But, yeah, I, I, I thought that there were definitely kids who received this information well and, and felt like school made more sense. It was more understandable and it was, it was more tolerable than this kind of implicit impression that kids have of like, we're teaching you all of these things so that you know these things, but you won't, you won't know these things in a year. Yeah. And I was, I was always really upfront about that with, with the kids. Because it's very funny. Kids will assume that because you are a teacher, you know all the things and all the other subjects, which is just always hilarious. In, in the equivalent of homeroom, at the start of the day, yeah. when I'm just in charge of a bunch of kids, and they're all frantically trying to do their homework at the last minute, of course. Mm. You know, they're always asking me questions about whatever. And I always say, I don't know anything at all about that subject. I don't remember this in the slightest. And they'd, they'd be horrified. They'd, oh, you're a teacher. You went to school. You're supposed to be one of the best students. It's like, yeah, but I don't remember that. You know, it didn't. It doesn't matter. What mattered was that I, I was able to do it at the time and yeah. get the certification that I yeah. have passed high school. Which makes me trustworthy enough to boss all you guys around. Yeah, that's if exactly you, it. If you're exactly right, you right about this, why is school not portrayed this way? Why, is it, why has it got this other spin to it? Why, why isn't school portrayed as this <sighs> stickability test, this conscientiousness test? Because, I mean, I, mean I, I think you're just asking this rhetorically. You, you know, because... This is not – I think this is an accurate view of the world, but this is not a view of the world that people want to have. People don't want to think – you know, let's, let's take some, some, some college graduate. People don't want to think, oh, I, I spent 16 years undergoing an endurance test, right, to prove that I was able to do it. You want, you want to think, oh, I went to college and I learned how to think and I, and I, and I learned all of these, these other skills and that was the, like, that's the explicitly stated purpose. What you purpose. think it makes it seem mundane? Because it doesn't make it pointless. Like people are really no. proud when they finish a marathon because they, they showed this great feat of endurance. Why not be proud yeah, that you've... Yeah, uh, yeah I think uh, yeah, the, endurance, the endurance one uh, there is, is, is an interesting comparison, yes. I... I I don't know. Do people value mental endurance less than physical endurance? I would say maybe so. Maybe rightly so. Uh, physical endurance just seems much more uh, natively impressive. But I, I also think this is the kind of thing where, again, thinking about my time as, as a teacher, I would say that I was, I was sometimes relatively unpopular in conversations with other teachers sort of in the staff room because – you, you, as a teacher, you want to have this feeling of like, oh, I'm, I'm 
teach. I'm shaping the next generation. I'm I'm inspiring a bunch <laughs> of young minds, right? And they're all they're learning all these things from me. When we when we did the podcast a couple of weeks ago about um, whether or not learning languages was uh, a good thing or not, you knew you were going to get some flack. Like you were you even you were braced for backlash. Yes. Do you think what you're saying here will upset people in the same way, <sighs> or do you think people will say? He's talking sense. Of course, so, the education system is just a, a sieve for selectivity so that institutions and or employers can discriminate later on. Uh, that's, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. And I almost feel like I – how could this topic be controversial in some ways? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I can, I can be of both minds about this. I can, I can yeah. sort of feel like, look into your heart of hearts. Like this, this was the experience that that I had, I had as as a teacher. Is is kind of you do, as a, as a general policy. I, I find there have been opinions that I or, or positions that I have come to in my life that I have not wanted. To come to that, I feel like have I have been forced into them through experience and then through reading up on on that kind of experience. I didn't I didn't set out to find this out. I feel like I was pushed into this by experience, and so that's why I, I almost feel like it's it's in some ways it's remarkably uncontroversial. It will upset a lot of teachers. Yeah, it probably will. But I, I, I will say again, like, I, I, I was a teacher. I, 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 was, I was one of you. Um, the thing that I was, I was going to come back to, uh, back to earlier, talking about the, the benefits of school is there's, a, there's this term which is called warehousing. And in this case, schools are warehousing students. Right? They're warehousing kids. And what's the benefits you get from that? Again, from a societal perspective, it's not it, like almost it doesn't have anything to do with what's happening to the kids in the box that you put them. The enormous benefit to society is like state provided daycare for all children. And what does that mean? Parents like their their labor is freed up. Right. They can, they can go to work and their kids are taken care of for a huge portion of the year. And so this is like another kind of benefit that, that school provides. If you imagine a world without school where parents had to provide their own daycare for kids, like it would just be terrible, right? You obviously, you need to do something with kids all day long, right? Once we pass child labor laws and you can't have them, you know, working in factories anymore, which again is a good thing, um, you need to have them go somewhere and school is, is the place that they go. So th- this is another kind of, of effect that you get from schools is – is being able to put the kids somewhere. And we often tell ourselves that they're learning a whole bunch of stuff all day long in there because it's better than thinking of them as, as in like a little box or, or, you know, or in like a little prison, which would be even a worse way to put it. But schools are remarkably similar to prisons sometimes. <laughs> Can I just say to my sister, who is a school teacher, yeah. I think she's brilliant. I'm, I'm sure she is. Because <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to send her this or not. In some ways, I want to hear what she has to say. In other ways, um, I will also. Look, I, I have to. I have just have to defend myself here as well, just for just for a little minute. minute. Yeah, go um, ahead. Which is that I, I do know 
for many a, many a, a parent-teacher conferences. Parents were, were very happy to have their kids in my classes. <laughs> I don't want people thinking I was some kind of awful, unpopular, grumpy teacher. I, I, my own experience was that parents were very happy if their kids were in, in my physics class. And I know kids who really liked being in my physics class, so I wasn't a mean teacher. This doesn't, this doesn't stem from disliking being a teacher. I, I, I really enjoyed the classroom time. I thought that was great. I tried to have lessons that were relatively fun. Of course, you have these horrible constraints as a teacher about what you can and can't do. But like that, that part of, of being in the classroom and teaching, I really liked. And I think as best as w- is possible with a subject like physics, I think I tried to make it as interesting as possible for the students who were there. But that, like I said, that still doesn't change the fact that I don't expect any of the kids that I taught six years ago to necessarily remember anything that we did. But I know that like those kids did well on exams and then hopefully they went off to university and some of them have real jobs out in the in the real world now. All right. Well, I think you've you've put it out there. And I actually like I said, I actually really agree with I when I was talking to Mrs. Number File and I said, Gray wants to talk about what's the purpose of schools. She said, Well, I think it's learning and socialization mm-hmm. of young people. The first thing I did think to myself was, no, I think it's also this kind of this selectivity process. Yeah. So I do agree I do agree that schools serve this purpose of separating the wheat from the chaff, ho- however fairly you think they do that or not, which is a whole other subject. Oh man, yeah, I mean that's yeah. You know, <laughs> I think we get into issues yeah. of economics and class and all sorts of un- un- unfair things. But yeah, there's 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 there, terribly unfair things yeah. there. Just with the, with the with the one final thing about the the selectivity thing. Um, yeah, you know you know how you mentioned about if the if the school in your neighborhood really takes a dive, you know it affects your your property values. Um, yeah, and everybody has this experience of sort of good schools and and bad schools, and. Right. While while I I would definitely say that teachers do have an impact on whether a school is a good school or a bad school, just leaving those terms undefined for the moment. Teachers definitely contribute to that uh, in terms of like the emotional environment of the school and and, and all these kinds of things. But I, I was also in in some of my schools sort of involved in the in the um, application process of students because I worked at private schools. Um, and so it was always, I always felt so bad for them, but it was like kids would come in and they'd have to sit these exams and we'd give them exams in in math and English. And, you know, in England they're coming in and they're, I don't know what what they're nine or they're 10 years old, you know, trying to apply for a school that they'll go to. And they're just so small. And I saw you poor thing coming in here, taking this test. And and so like there, there's the human moment where you see these tiny people marching off to an exam that's going to change possibly the whole rest of their life, you know, depending on what what high, uh, what secondary school or high school they get into. Um, mm. So that's the one side of it. But then the other side of it was that I would have to mark a lot of these exams. And that, again, was a very interesting thing to see because the schools are, are marking these exams and you can see just how... I mean, I, I would say like 90% of the academic results of a school are determined at this moment, right? How many of the ki- how many kids do we get 
who got the best scores on these exams to come to our school. Right, that that it's, it's just the difference in papers between the best kids and the worst kids, even at age nine, is, is kind of astounding. And, you know, I just, I just think when you talk about a good school, and this is where, like, the inequality of the world really, really comes into play. A good school in terms of academics, I mean, it's got to be a 90% effect just on, on the selection of the students they let in. If you let in more academically inclined students, you are going to have much better results, uh, you know, five years down the line when they have to take their, their, uh, their exams. Um, and that, again, is like, boy, you don't, you don't want to see that. Like, you want to think that, the, that a school can just take in a bunch of kids and, and like, turn them all around and, and let them learn how to learn and they're going to be amazing results. But schools were, were definitely competing very hard to get the kids who did the best on those exams. And like there's a reason why schools, private schools, really want to get the top achievers that they can because those it just brings up the results and you can see that even at a very young age. And and again, like this I don't I didn't want to believe this. You know, that that like, oh kids nine, like what can their test scores possibly show about uh, how they're gonna do later on? But I mean, those even at that age, like their their test scores are very predictive of how they're going to do five years later, which is which is disappointing. And also, I think you know, again, should should not be the case if those kids are really learning how to learn uh, in schools. I think the, the goodness of the school is a in large part a, a selection function. It's not a what happens in the walls function. At least again, in, in terms of academics, so. You've seemed a bit reluctant to touch on this, and maybe because it's such a big subject for another day, but you've kind of portrayed schools... I mean, it's not... I guess you haven't portrayed them negatively. Well, you have portrayed them negatively, but you would you would say honestly. But do you have, like, this alternative in mind? Like, is is this is this just the best we can do with, you know, these huge populations we have and limited labour markets and things? Or have you, is there, like... Are you hinting at something better, or? Well, I think a, a, a better system is is a conversation for a different time. I, yeah. I, I would just say that um, some of the hesitation you probably hear, especially with this last section, is just that when you're a working teacher, there is enormous pressure within the school system to kind of not acknowledge differences between students. You know, so. so like you are, ju- you are just under a lot of pressure to never really discuss that. Like, this girl is clearly smarter than this other kid, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's it is the, the the sort of the it's like teachers all know this, but the management feeling, or at least the line that that management often portrays, is you are not helping that dumb kid enough. Like, and yeah. some kids are just dumb. Right, like I'm sorry, world, but it's it's true. But it would um, also be a bit like if you know you heard a, a referee of a football match saying that, oh gosh, Zinazine Zidane is such a bit much better footballer than Terry Henry or something. You'd be like, well, hang on, you're supposed to be the one neutral person who doesn't think X is better than. Oh y. yeah, yeah, no, and, and yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing, um, yeah. but but I still I still feel some of this kind of lingering teacher hesitation to talk about things in a particular way yeah. and and so that's that's why like you, you know if you in a in a 
as a working teacher, if you, if you ever in a meeting like suggested that someone was just not very bright, you know, it, it does not, that does not go down well for your professional career. You know, you need to kind of uh, toe the line um, that, that like, oh, you know, maybe there's more ways that I could help this student, uh, you know, perhaps by, you know, writing their answers for them on a piece of paper is like the best way to help them. So that's, uh, I guess that that's part of, uh, that's part of the hesitation I feel is just, is, yeah, is, is that lingering feeling of when I worked as a teacher and, and how to, how to talk in meetings about uh, what's going on in, in, in classrooms. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not suggesting right now any kind of alternative. I'm just, okay. and again, I, I, I feel like this is a, this is like a neutral assessment of, of schools, but I, yeah. Maybe. We'll let the uh, <laughs> listeners be the judge of that. Yeah, email Brady. It was more interesting than I thought it was going to be, I must say. <laughs> so thank you for sharing your honest views yeah. and, and, and severing your relationship with a few remaining former teachers who you were friends with. Yeah, well, at least according to my clock, we've been recording for uh, one hour and 56 minutes. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how much of this makes it through to the end.